Wow. Good morning, folks. It's Monday, February, what is it, 19th. It's a crisp, clear, cool Monday morning. I'm a little late getting on the Devo, had some technical difficulties, which, just to be honest with you, were entirely my fault. But here we are. And so glad that you've joined us for this round of our pastoral devotionals. Um, because we have new folks joining us all the time, let me just kind of use the beginning of the week here to explain what we do Monday through Friday. We look at a passage of Scripture that we, or the passage of Scripture that we're going to be preaching on for that upcoming Sunday. And of course, we're going through the Gospel of Matthew. So we'll take the, the scripture we're going to be preaching on and we'll dig into it, pull it apart, take a deep dive into the text together leading up to the sermon. Now, now why do we do that? Well, selfishly, it's, it's a wonderful way for me to get into the text early in the week and be thinking and praying and mulling it over. But really, that's not the primary reason. The primary reason, of course, is that you can sort of get a glimpse of how I'm approaching a passage and in turn... Um, hopefully along the way, pick up some tools that you can use for yourself in your own personal study. So in other words, in, in, instead of just being a consumer of information or, or theological teaching, we're digging into a passage together and interpreting it, and hopefully you're becoming better equipped to be a self-feeder, to be a student of the Word. That's, that's our goal. So this week we are in we're finishing up matthew chapter 16 and tell you what we're going to do let's just read the passage and then i'll sort of frame where we are and what we're wanting to do and how we're wanting to approach this text so we're in matthew 16 verse 21 and we're going to look through the end of the chapter from that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and on the third day be raised. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, Far be it from you, Lord, this shall never happen to you. But he turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are a hindrance to me. For you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. Then Jesus told his disciples, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what shall a man give in return for his soul? For the Son of Man is going to come with his angels in the glory of his Father, and then he will repay each person according to what he has done. Truly I say to you, there are some standing here who will not taste death until they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. Okay, so one of the things that we always talk about is that it's important in looking at a passage of Scripture to look at what, become, what comes before it, what comes after it. Um, that's because, as we know, when Matthew wrote his gospel, it was meant to be read as one biopic or one narrative. There weren't chapter divisions, there weren't verse divisions. Those were put in later um, by, by, by scholars to help us access the word easier, to study it in a little more expeditious way. And, of course, there was the fact that most people just memorize entire uh, books of Scripture. But that, that's, a, that's for another day. So, so... 
here, it's important to understand um, what, what is happening and, and where the flow of this is going. We just have seen um, from this previous week, or actually we've been studying it for two weeks, this mighty profession of Peter. Jesus asks him and the disciples, who do you say that I am? Peter says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God, to which Jesus says, God has not revealed this to you. I mean, Peter, you haven't revealed this to yourself. God's revealed it to you. And I'm going to rename you from Simon to Peter, rock. And on this rock, I will build my church. And of course, he's talking about the, the apostles and their teaching being the foundation of the church with Jesus being the cornerstone, not going to re-preach those sermons. You can go back and watch the devotionals or listen to the sermons on, online. But what we need to, to, to pick up from that as we come into this text is to understand that at long last, the disciples have a crystal clear view of who Jesus is. There, there's no doubt now. There, he, is, he is the Messiah. He is the Christ. He's the son of David. He's the fulfillment of Old Testament prophecy. Um, he is the son of the living God. He's not just on mission from God. He is God. And he has come to build his church. Okay, so, so that, that's what we've got. Now, this passage is just initially the great wah-wah, right? Because Peter, having made this amazing supernatural confession, is now taken to task by Jesus and rebuked by Jesus because of Peter's misunderstanding of what the Messiah has come to do. And I think that's going to be the heartbeat, the essence of our text. Yes, we know Jesus is the Son of God. Yes, we know he's the Messiah. But the question thus remains, what is the Messiah's mission? Okay, we agree he's the Messiah, the Son of God. He's come to save God's people. But, but how? How exactly? What, what is this mission going to look like? Um, and what we see from this text is that the disciples have a vastly um, underdeveloped, erroneous view of what the Messiah has come to do. Okay, so, so that's the issue before us. How does this text reveal the mission of Jesus? Now, what I like to do is to go through the text, kind of big picture, this first go around and sort of pinpoint all the questions that we need to ask in order to answer uh, before we can before we can really start applying this and saying what does it mean to us? Okay, and so so I'm just going to kind of go through and and kind of note a couple of things that we want to follow up on. All right, so verse 21 says from that time, and so this marks a new time. This marks a new season. Or, a, or another pivot point in the ministry of Jesus. And so we want to look at other times in Matthew where Matthew uses that verbiage, and we need to note its significance. Then he says, from that time he began to show his disciples that he must go. Um, I haven't looked at the Greek, but that sounds like a strong word. Um, doesn't say he needs to go, doesn't say that he wants to go, doesn't say that he desires to go. It says that he must go, and that, that sounds to me like Jesus on a mission. And then 
he describes, of course, what this mission is. It's to suffer, okay, and to be killed and rise on the third day. Now, another question that immediately comes to mind is as that as Peter takes him aside um, and begins to, to, to rebuke Jesus, if you can imagine, um, Jesus has a startling response, right? He says, get behind me, Satan. You are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. And that might remind us if of the time in the wilderness when Jesus was dueling with Satan and Satan offered him the kingdoms of the world and Jesus said something similar to Satan, okay? Get behind me. You do not have the purposes of God in mind. I think we ought to go back and look at that, right? That's, that's going to be important. And as a corollary, we, we want to try to understand what, what's happening here. Is, is, is Peter possessed? Um, is, he under, is he under demonic influence? Is he sort of operating in the spirit of Satan? And if so, what does that mean? What's the implications for us? So, so that's, those are a few questions right off the top. As we move through the text, okay, um, we see that Jesus is, seems to be saying, not only am I going to the cross, but you're going to the cross as well. And because you're following me. And we want to say, does Jesus mean this metaphorically? Does he mean it literally? I mean, we do know Simon Peter literally followed Jesus to the cross, right? So, so what exactly does this mean that as his, as his followers, we have to deny ourselves and pick up our cross, okay? Or our instrument of capital punishment. That, that's really the imagery. We want, we want to understand more about that. And then finally... Um, we see these verses in 27 and 28, um, and these seem to be sort of end-time eschatological verses, right? He talks about, Jesus says, speaking of himself, the Son of Man is going to come with his angels. He will repay each person according to what he has done. Truly, I say to you, there are some standing here who will not taste death until they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. Wow, that's, that's a mouthful, right? Because Jesus seems to be saying something about a future judgment, right? A future time he's going to return with his angels. And that at that point in time, there's actually going to be some of the disciples who are in Jesus' company who are going to be alive to see this. And of course, we have to scratch our heads at that and say, well, what is that? Um, has Jesus already returned and we didn't know it? Um, is this speaking of some other kind of judgment? Okay, so, so these are all the questions that um, if it is your mission, if you choose to accept it, to go and explore these things. All right, so here's a couple of suggestions. Um, if you have a study Bible, that's a great place to start because it will have notes, it will have a little commentary notes, it will have cross-references. And you can begin, begin to go through and look at some of these things, like Jesus' temptation in the wilderness with, um, with Satan. You can go back and um, look at some of these issues related to this idea that he must go, and from that time. 
if you have um, if you have a study Bible, it'll have little notes by the footnotes by these different verses. You can use a, a tablet like I have. It's the ESV Bible online. You can use Logos, okay, um, which is a Bible study software, or you can just go old school and get a physical commentary, which I highly recommend is still my preferred means of study. These are all things that I think can help be helpful for us along the way, uh, not to replace our discipline of study, but to aid it and to help it. Okay. And so, but I think it's important as you're doing that study to always be bringing your questions back one to the word of God and two to the main point of this passage, which seems to be um, the mission of the Messiah. What exactly is that? Why is it? Okay, that way. What's, how did this clash with their uh, prior understandings of the Messiah? And I think that will get us um, springboarded into our study this week. All right, thanks again for your, uh, your patience. Um, and so glad that you've jumped on board for this week. We'll be back here uh, first thing Tuesday morning and hope you join us then. As for today, let me pray for us. Lord, give us your wisdom that we might be diligent, faithful students in the study of your word. Lord, we, we, we're like Simon Peter. We can't come to these things on our own. You, you have to reveal them to us. And so, Father, I pray for each and every person who's watching or listening to this, whenever that might be, and wherever that might be, and Lord, that you would do a work in their lives to really imprint your word upon their hearts. Lord, we ask these things in your son's name. Amen. Thanks, everybody. See you tomorrow.